This is Secrets to Win Big, your roadmap to sustained growth. Brought to you by Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, top brand growth driver and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. Find him at zenmango.com. And now, here's your host, Arjun Sen. Welcome to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen. Hi, this is Arjun. I have the best seat in the house that I get because I get a chance to have conversations with incredible leaders from all walks of life and all around the world. The reason all walks of life is very important is because each one of us have a unique journey. Our starting points are different, our destinations are different, choice of paths are different, and that's the reason these unique conversations are very fascinating. Secondly, it's all about winning big. Don't get me wrong, winning is fun, but winning big puts us on the path to sustain long-term wins. And in that spirit, today, I'm really fortunate to have a conversation with Bhaskar Majumdar. Bhaskar is one of the best-known names in the Indian startup ecosystem. He's the founder and managing director of Unicorn India Ventures, through which he has invested in over 30 businesses in the last five years. And I'm very excited to learn about his book, Everything Starting as Nothing, How to Win the Startup Battle. What is incredible and I'm excited about is sometimes people write books about concepts. But for Bhaskar, this is something he has been practicing and he really has taken his practices over the last 30 years to culminate into this in incredible sharing. Bhaskar, welcome to Secrets to Win Big. Thank you, Arjun, for having me. So Bhaskar, let's go right into the book because I'm very, very, not only curious, I'm really anxious to learn more about the book. Who is this book for? And what's the one thing when people read, take away from the book? So Arjun, uh, uh, this book is for uh, those embarking on their first entrepreneurial journeys. Uh, this is equally valid for young founders who are out of college campuses, as it is for seasoned execs who after a successful corporate stint mm -hmm. uh, embark on the new life. Unfortunately, what has happened over the last decade, I must say, is that startups have got glamorized, especially by the media and the multitude of awards that are there, awards like 30 under 30, 40 under 40, et cetera. <clears throat> Nowadays, I see a lot of founders attempt startups for the wrong reasons and driven by the glamour quotient, if you will, and with an attitude of, let me, let me try my hand at it. Mm -hmm. you know, these are absolute recipes for disaster. Mm -hmm. uh, the one single takeaway, uh, you know, I have for the book, uh, so to put it, is, you know, I personally imbibe entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship, as you well know, Arjun, yourself is all subsuming. One must dream and dream to be a successful entrepreneur, but dream one has to do with one's eyes open. For me, that is what the essence of the book is all about. I love that concept is, I love the way you make it very simple is don't get in for the wrong reasons for an ego trip. Instead, there's a purpose and dream with eyes open. 
share a little bit more about what the dreams with iopen means for bhaskar no uh, there are a number of things and some of the points uh, which i try to bring out in the book is that one may be very successful in their uh, corporate life one may be a very successful student good student good research scholar but fundamentally you need a different dna to be successful as an entrepreneur and it is very important that before you embark on the journey you understand the pitfalls of what being an entrepreneur is all about and only after you are uh, you know you sort of marry your instincts and your dna with that do you embark on the journey so bhaskar such a successful career at what point did you think about starting this journey of writing the book putting everything in this book for current startups future startups to learn and take advantage of your wisdom you know uh, arjun if i think back as to where the idea of the book sort of germinated uh it was in 2019 and one of the first businesses which from the fund we had backed uh, was a business called roder you know it was a business which provided app based service in intercity cabs you know the company was started by uh, three young alumni from our common engineering school actually iit kharagpur uh, the founders were extremely diligent worked real hard but the market conditions changed and within two years they had to shut shop and one of the founders who was the main person who with whom i would regularly interface you know he literally disappeared from the face of the earth and was incommunicado for over a year and a half or so and it was in the middle of 2019 when i first spoke to this young boy abhishek uh once he had co-founded another business i asked him why he had disappeared and wasn't in touch with me you know he told me that uh, how could i show you my face after the failure of my business mm-hmm. you know you had invested about a million dollars with in my startup in good faith but this set me thinking that as an investor with over 35 businesses investments you know it really set me thinking that entrepreneurs must know when they fail mm-hmm. that it is the businesses that fail mm-hmm. and this is not a reflection on the entrepreneurial spirit and you know that was the moment when i said that you know it sort of enkindled the thought in my head which made me go through the journey that i have myself been through and i thought that it would be propitious for me to write a book about it and of course the lockdown provided the time for that and that's how i penned the book you know i'm really glad you took me through this because many a time we chose choose to write a book where we stand behind a lectern on a podium and just want to scream to the world but in this particular case the story shows me that there was a target there are more abhishekhs on this planet who take the losses or the failures and try to define themselves instead of going through and learning from that and i really love the fact that you connected your personal wins and challenges together to help the abhishekhs of the world and that really 
makes it a very clear target for the book. So I just want to ask one more thing on the book is, in the early journey of the book, what has been some of the cool moments that given you goosebumps and made you realize, I'm so glad I wrote this book? You know, there have been a, a number, number of such instances. Uh, and uh, the way the book has panned out is I've taken uh, learnings. It's not just about my journey, which is, which is obviously reflected uh, not only the wins, but the uh, tribulations that the problems I've faced, but also about the journeys of successful entrepreneurs, in some cases failed entrepreneurs, and I've linked it, linked their stories with basically the journey of the of a startup. The book is, uh, is 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 reflects how a startup actually grows. It's very similar to that of a, of any of us. You know, there's the infancy years, the growth years, the consolidation years, and the end game. And at each stage, the uh, founder has to have a different skill set to succeed, hmm. and that is what the book brings it out. So the different phases and the founder's role. So don't we go back to your career and just a little highlight is two successful businesses from scratch, both of which you sold as big successes. And before that you worked in senior corporate roles in media and tech enterprise across the continents. So what are some of the big learnings in your career that have defined future success, Bhaskar? You know, uh, Arjun, I uh, once again touch upon the point I made earlier is that I've been fortunate to have been uh, a senior exec in large global enterprises, then an entrepreneur, and now an investor. Mm -hmm. And uh, in all these three avatars, it goes without saying, and all of us know it, that you know, hard work, dedication, determination are obviously the common themes. But what I learned, uh, and to all intents and purposes, the fund, because it's a self-started fund, you know, I started the fund from ground zero, raised money. Now we are about $150 million uh, AUMP have. Uh, so therefore, fundamentally, what I realized is to be an entrepreneur, you need to be wired very, very differently. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the point I made earlier, successful execs, uh, who have been driving large PNLs, they fail in their own ventures, fundamentally because they do not have the, what it takes to be an entrepreneur. The entrepreneurial DNA, which I keep referring to, and which is the moot point that I'm trying to bring out in the book. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the biggest highlights in your professional career? So right now, let's say we were to create a highlight reel of your success. And I know it's not easy for you being a very modest human being, and I'm very fortunate to get to know about your accomplishments. What would be two or three things, Bhaskar, you're most proud of? Again, I'm not looking for proprietary information in your corporate background in the big impact that you have made. You know, even if in the corporate world, if you sort of see, uh, see I was uh, very entrepreneurial and I was looking at uh, project oriented work and startups within large enterprises. Uh, you know, I was the person who started the international business of one of the largest broadcasters uh, in India, in fact, the largest at that point in time. 
you know, I literally took a bag, went, came over to London to start the international business, went over to your city, actually, Denver. Mm. And there we did a joint venture with Echostar. You know, so it was an absolute ground up work within a large enterprise, the first of its kind for any Indian broadcaster at that point in time. Uh, subsequent to that, you know, one trait that I must confess I sort of have is to be able to spot trends. Mm -hmm. I spotted a trend very early on when broad, when the whole broadband dissemination was happening uh, globally, is that while the pipes were being laid, content at that point in time, and I'm talking of early 2000, was still in old forms, you know, very different formats. And you needed to have an enterprise out there who would go and do it classically in the Indian IT services way, cheaper, faster, better. And that's where I started the first business, which I started, which was Recreate Solutions, which was basically digitizing existing content globally. And that has been pathbreaking. And we, we enabled a large number of media companies to digitize their libraries over a point in time. You know, these two, I think, were very entrepreneurial uh, uh, insights I had of the, the, the future, so to say. I want to pick on something you just said is being an entrepreneur in the corporate world. So you give a few secrets on how even working for a mega corporation, you can still have, as you mentioned earlier, also the DNA of entrepreneurship, DNA of a startup, that mindset, how it can make you more successful. You know, uh, there are two answers to this. And uh, till I started off on my own journey, Arjun, I was one of the persons who felt that an entrepreneur, so to say, is as much of an entrepreneur as someone who started off on its own. Of course, within large corporations, you need entrepreneurs who will basically look outside the box, so to say, and look at doing future projects. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, you know, there are a number of success stories within uh, large enterprises, which all of us know about. But fundamentally, you know, having started off on my own, I don't quite agree that it is the same risk-taking capability and the reward mechanism that, that drives true entrepreneurs within. So entrepreneurship is definitely a pathway, but for me, it's a pathway to starting off on your own rather than being caught within the corporate trappings and you know, sort of say that I'm in the entrepreneur within a corporate setup. Mm -hmm. So now let's look at all your experiences that you connected the thread and you talked about some of the common threads to be the dream with eyes open, having it in the DNA. So would you do a little recap for me again, connecting all your experiences, the Abhishek's of the world for whom you wrote the book. What's that common thread all through the book in every chapter, everywhere? You know, this is something about unique about your perspective, what I would call maybe Bhaskarism that defines you and takes you to the next level. It's a great question, Arjun. Uh, you know, and... Uh irrespective of the industry, irrespective of the stage a company is in, irrespective of the stage the founder is in, uh, there are certain aspects which I want to draw out. You know, we all know about intelligent quotient, emotional quotient, social quotient, but for me, 
The make and break quotient for being an entrepreneur is what I call the adversity quotient. You know, this is the measure of the ability to go through a rough patch without losing one's bearings. Mm -hmm. You know, for an early stage founder, uh, which I have personally been, uh, you know, it is a question of taking a knock, getting up and being able to walk on. The strangest thing is that in the life of a startup, these highs and lows can be experienced by the founder within hours, you know, from euphoria to despair, back again to euphoria, mm -hmm. literally all are a part of the daily life of the entrepreneur. So, so for me, <coughs> excuse me, having this high adversity quotient is a must for any entrepreneur. You know, the second aspect, which, uh, which I'm, if I may, Arjun, is, uh, you know, the entrepreneur must have the audacity to ask, you know, in a startup, we are always asking people for something. You are asking a person to, uh, you know, to join your firm, to buy into your vision at reduced salaries. You're asking potential customers to buy your products. You're asking investors for you, uh, you know, to buy into your vision. You're asking the media to write stories about you. You are always, always asking and therefore, you fundamentally have to be an evangelist of sorts. You know, you have to constantly evangelize yourself. And while you're asking on one hand, on the other, you must be able to take rejections. You know, rejections and living through them is what makes the, uh, you know, it's a life journey of the startup founder. The fact that you would be able to take no for an answer and yet be able to go ahead with it is, is, it's not easy, especially for successful students, successful execs who've not failed, uh, faced failure before. So these are some of the core DNAs which one needs to possess, uh, you know, to be a, basically a first-time entrepreneur. As you're talking about the adversity quotient, being comfortable to ask and take rejection, you know, something that comes to my mind is when I was working with one of the top golfers on this planet, he asked me a very simple question. What is confidence? Okay. That day on the golf course, everything was going right for me. Even if I hit the ball way left, it was coming back. Okay. I just said yeah. a day like this, I cannot do anything wrong. That's confidence. He looked at me and he said with a smile, why do you need confidence on a day like today? He said, confidence is that common way of you seeing yourself every day. Confidence is how you see yourself on the day of worst performance. Yeah. King Bhaskar, I'm working for you. And that day, all my, my only job is in a big meeting to walk in with coffee and a few cups. As I walk in, I stumble and fall. And I'm thinking this is the end of the world. I look at you and I see a smile on your face, a little thumbs up. I see in your eyes, Arjun, you got it. Like I see that you are not defining me by this goofiness. And seeing that will help me rebound. And that's what, you know, what I saw in all your the three things that you said is a calm confidence of self-belief where you're not defining, letting anybody, whether it's an external adversity or a no or anything else define you. Mm -hmm. And I really love this answer because this really touched a chord with me because you put it in a beautiful articulate business way. And I was always trying to translate what this golfer told me about confidence. And today, thank you for sharing that incredible wisdom with me. So now 
you know, I believe it's all about stories, okay? So what are some great success stories or one of your, two of your favorite success stories from the book that you would love to share with us? Yeah, yeah it's a tough one. Uh, let me uh, pick on two stories. One, uh, one, again, it's not a success story, but it's a learning. And I was at the receiving end in that case. And another success story of a successful entrepreneur. Uh, I think one of the challenges when a person starts their own venture is that individual will be a nobody. Uh, those of us who worked in large enterprises, you know, we are known by the company we are working for. We all carry the visiting cards and you know, that provides the status symbol, so to say, that we, that we have. Uh, but again, those of us who, especially those like you and me who after successful corporate stints start up on our own, we are suddenly faced with anonymity and being unknown. And this actually requires a mental adjustment. Now, one of the big challenges that I personally grappled with when I started my first uh, startup, We Create Solutions in 2000, was the sheer anonymity of being a startup founder. You know, you know we all were, I was used as most of us who start off are to the trappings of the corporate world. And suddenly I found myself bereft of the calling card. So in every discussion, I would be on the defensive and try to draw on the credibility of my past corporate career. Anyone asked, what are you doing now? I would invariably go to, into the past corporate career. Uh, you know, I would always try to drive in the point that it was backed by one of the biggest VCs in the world, trying to draw their credibility to my startup. I'm sure, I'm sure that the people who asked me the questions and my colleagues, you know, they at that point in time realized that I was fumbling. And this was a manifestation of my inherent insecurity, you know, and unsure of what the future lay in front of me. It took me about a couple of years to grow out of that mindset. And once I made peace with myself, there was no looking back. So I think this is a very important lesson, uh, you know, that we have to be, uh, you know, we have to acclimatize ourselves to suddenly this anonymity. Uh, that's one story which I think, uh, you know, is a, is, is a good one. And the second one is that while you do day-to-day -day activities, you know, build up business through bits and bobs, you need to have a long-term strategic vision to be successful. Mm -hmm. And in this, uh, you know, I can give you uh, a story which I've mentioned in the book as well about a very close friend of mine, uh, one of the extremely successful celebrity chefs in India who's built a massive business, a gentleman by the name of Sanjeev Kapoor. And, you know, Sanjeev and I had this conversation somewhere in 95, 96, when he was the executive chef in one of the largest five stars, uh, five star hotels in uh, Mumbai. And I asked him what the future lay ahead of him. And it was in 95, 96 for some of us who we collect those years, India had just liberalized in 91, India was opening up. And, and he had the foresight to say that, you know, there's a huge, large aspirational middle-class within India and for whom cooking and food is a passion. It's also, uh, it's, it's also where they want to spend more and more of their money. And while a lot of them would like to visit the top end restaurants and five star hotels, 
they would not have the propensity and the means to do so. And it would be the celebrity chef who would be able to take this back to the homes of individuals. And, you know, he had this vision, even someone as optimist as me, I thought he was, he, 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 was, he, he didn't smell the coffee at that point in time. But over the next 30 years, he just did it across every channel that was possible on imbibe technology, imbibe did, but his fundamental goal has been exactly that, to take celebrity and high quality food into the masses. You know, I think the second story connects to what you talked about is spotting a trend and then believing in that and going all out. The first story really took me back to when I quit from Papa John's corporate. Next day, I became invisible. Mm. From the point where day before, on my birthday, 250 people would just walk in with a cake and I didn't even know I like strawberry cake. Somehow they, you know, that became the whole pattern. From there, calling people and nobody returned my phone calls yeah. was a very hard reality because I realized that the second thing is my reality. And one thing that you mentioned there was some of us, when we cannot deal with where we are, we become parasite brands. I'll become give you a quick example. Is I was working for this golf coach who wanted me to do branding for him. When I sat in his amazing golf lab, I saw pictures of him and Tiger Woods, him and Charles Barkley, him and Ray Romano. And finally, I called him on a Sunday by saying, I got your brand. You're a parasite brand, which means you are Britney Spears' fourth boyfriend whose name I don't need to know. I even went on to explain to him, you are the mosquito who became on the cover of National Geography because you sat on the elephant's butt at the right time. Of course, he was really bummed. I said, no, don't be bummed. It's an opportunity. Instead of you being the parasite brand, you believe in yourself to be the Yoda. When Luke Skywalker gets lost, he comes to Yoda. So instead of being defined as Tiger's coach, yeah. be who you are and build that because calling yourself Tiger's coach or Britney Spears' fourth boyfriend does not get you anywhere other than a personal ego. And I really think this is such a big lesson for every one of us listening in the corporate world is being comfortable with who you are. And I love the way you also describe that the corporate world or business card defines us. Nobody cares about Arjun, cares about the company and the position. And today it's Arjun, tomorrow is Bhaskar, tomorrow is Arjun 2 or Bhaskar 2 will fill that role. We'll have the same business card. So we are literally leasing that space. And there's a lot in what you just said, which I really feel that will resonate with each one of us. And thank you again for sharing these stories. So of course, the you know, next question is, Bhaskar, how can people get hold of this amazing book? You know, globally, it's available uh, in Amazon and obviously through Kindle. Uh, in India, it's available on other platforms as well, all the other standard platforms and in all the leading bookstores. So, and, to, uh, you know, it's available from March 10th. So anytime onwards, people can just go ahead with it. So today is the day. So today yeah. you know, we are recording this on March 10th. So exactly. It's very fascinating. And that's really fortunate. So Bhaskar, simple question. Somebody like you, 
with these many successful impacts, you're like that athlete who doesn't stop at the finish line. You run through the finish line and beyond, which means in your mind, you already have plans. What's next? So what's next after this book? Arjun, to be fair, I've not given it a serious thought, but uh, I do want to take up writing alongside my investment career. Uh, you know, I, I strongly believe that uh, one needs to stay contemporary and reinvent oneself in today's world, especially mm -hmm given that shelf life of executives are being reduced and the, our mortality rates are going up. So we need to have at least three or four incarnations to get most out of life. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I've been a student of Indian uh, mythology and uh, I've been trying to see a lot of similarity uh, between Indian mythological stories, epics, fables that we have grown up with and the modern corporate world and even the modern startup world. So there is a germination of an idea where I want to sort of correlate these things together uh, and try to put it down in pen and paper, so to say, but you know, it hasn't fructified. And when it does, Arjun, you'd be the first person to know it. You have Thank my you. word. Thank you. That's all I wanted to know. And again, I'm just very excited that connecting it to Indian mythology and all your experiences, I really know that the first book is great. But just like the best always gets better, and I'm sure that the second book or whatever you choose to do, the platform, because you know in today's yeah. world it cannot be just a book; yeah. it could be another platform yeah. sharing. It'll be an incredible sharing. So today you're listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen and my VIP guest Bhaskar Majumdar, one of the best known names in Indian startup ecosystem. He's the author of the book Starting as Nothing and Now to Win the startup battle, some incredibly amazing nuggets of wisdom, starting with dream with eyes open, how to be comfortable with being invisible, accept the reality and build your personal brand as you build the startup. And I really feel that this is not a book that deals with just the symptoms. It really helps you align yourself and be set and prepared for the startup journey, which is kind of lonely, but for the right person with the right DNA it could be very fascinating. So Bhaskar, this last section is about some rapid questions. Three to seven word answers, are you ready? Yes, all yours. The first is <clears throat> go beyond your direct career because you would have been successful in anything else you do because you have a unique process. What's your advice to anyone in any walk of life to be a successful leader? Uh, I think one needs to be able to inspire others. Uh, it is all about teams and people who can rally around you mm -hmm. in good times and more importantly in bad. I just love the way you said the simple thing, to be a leader, you need followers. And if you can inspire people to follow, how can you be a leader? I love that simplicity. Next, how do you define a big win? You know, Arjun, I uh, see a lot of your podcasts and uh, one of the things which does get highlighted in your podcast, which is all about winning big, is the size and scale of it. You know, I have a different view. I think uh, it's not the size and scale that matters as much as the transformational role 
it plays into the lives of individuals. And because I operate in the early stage ecosystem, I have a number of examples of small innovations and businesses that have had transformational uh, effect on people. Even the size and scale may not be large as yet. So tell me a little more because I'm really fascinated because <clears throat> what you're showing me is what you connected with earlier. It's all about the size of impact even on an individual yeah. Or it could be something which is like triggering the first domino, which will change the world in 10 years, 15 years, or a mindset. So tell me more about the transformation as you're defining Winpig. Now I'll give you a, a live example of a, of, a, of, a, of a portfolio company of ours. Uh, you know, we had invested uh, uh, in a company while the four uh, individuals were in the engineering school in Kerala in India. And these four kids were uh, very passionate about two things, robotics and uh, the social services or the national social services. So they wanted to do something in robotics, but something which would not be confined to the, uh, to the laboratory, so to say, but something which would make a societal impact. And unfortunately, uh, you will know, uh, but for some of your uh, international viewers outside of India who may not be aware, uh, despite all the progress that India has made, even today in India, there is something called manual scavenging, which basically means that uh, people go down the sewage system individually to clean. And uh, every year there is thousands of deaths which happen. So these, you know, this team of four kids, you know, they came up with a robotics arm through a robo, which would start to basically clean the sewage. And no, nowhere else it was done. And they took it upon a mission critical way. We backed them. Mm -hmm. The company has scaled up. Today, you'd be happy to know on the back of some of the work they have done, you know, last in the last parliament session in India, a manual scavenging act was passed, which basically says that by 2026, everything of this sort would be ended in India. And needless to say, the company is doing very well. Now it's a fully scaled up operation. They are adding different aspects to it. But the moot point coming back to winning big is that it was such a small idea and they stuck to it and they executed it perfectly and a huge transformational impact they've had in, in the society. And, Therein they became successful as a business, but fundamentally it was making an impactful societal change. Uh, I love the story. Humbly, I have a little different take on this since this wasn't a small idea. Okay. If an idea can save one life, that's already a big idea because think it's one life saved, especially when thousands were being lost. And I would only feel that this is every year, which means that they saw something that most of us thought was the law of nature, that for us to live in a society, we have to lose thousand lives. Mm. And I really feel that I, the what you showed me there was seeing beyond what others were not seeing, finding a path, and then it was scalable. Like what they are talking about, as you described, is through robotics, not only it is scalable, but also in, not just in India, every country, we have bureaucratic processes for the government to see the value. So that to me is real transformation is true impact and the mindset change 
that I really think is, this is one of the biggest wins I've heard of. Thanks for sharing that. So Bhaskar, going back to success, now let's talk about failure. What's one of the reasons businesses fail to win big? I think uh, my personal take is, you know, people get so caught up, especially uh, the early stage businesses, so caught up in day-to-day, literally keeping the shop going, because that itself is a challenge, that they lose the strategic vision. And often they get caught in just keeping it operational. And after, you know, a decade or so, they realize that we are just, all we are doing is surviving. Mm-hmm. I think that is one of the biggest challenges which face. And therefore, I keep saying a startup founder must classically have the classical elevator pitch where, you know, on one hand, they must be able to do the operations, day-to-day operations. So the other, they should be able to elevate themselves up to be able to have a long-term view about things. Brilliant. So, you know, you showed from day one of your career all through every success, what's in your mind that defines you? I love that mindset. I've talked to leaders who rule out obstacles from their mind. Like some of them, when I talk to about dealing with failure, they just look at what's failure. Okay? They don't even get it. I've talked, worked with some of the athletes who when they were kids, their parents bought them tiny dictionaries and they literally removed words from the dictionary that would never use, like the word no, impossible, any of those. So this, these are two questions for you. One is what's the word not in Bhaskar's dictionary? And second, if I was fortunate to work as an intern for you for a day or a week, what would be a word or phrase I would hear Bhaskar say most often? The second one I'll tell you first is get on with it. Just, you know, just get on with it. I mean, we all face problems. We all face roadblocks. Just off with it. Love that. Uh, the first one, you know, uh, I have a view and I have a, a son who's 20 years old and I see a lot of uh you know, young students, uh, young, young, young professionals. I think the one word I wouldn't want them to have in their lexicon is optionality. Mm-hmm. I think today uh, we are faced with too many options. We are lucky to have too many options. You know, students have options of multiple careers and they keep flirting from one to the other. Mm-hmm. In seven, eight years, they realize they've not made any headway. Founders today have options to, you know, start another business, shut their business, go back to a corporate life. For me, the way I look at it is having too many options gives you an escape route when you're faced with a bump. And I think to succeed, especially as an entrepreneur, you need to burn the bridge of return. You know, you it has to be a one-way street. And, you know, no one says it's better than Peter Thiel when he said that, you know, entrepreneurship has no optionality. I think for me, that is a thing, uh, a sentence, uh, 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 adage that has really rung in my head for a while. You're taking me to the story of the Vikings. Anytime they got to a new land, first thing they did was burn the, uh, burn the boats. Absolutely. And Absolutely. I really love that. And, you know, to me, I would just take it. It's like you were talking at a higher level. I'm just trivializing it. I was just working with a restaurant client. And what we learned was giving you too many options makes it a dilemma. Because another amazing story is one of the leading toothpaste brands 
had 60% market share. What this Bozos thought was, why can't I go to 60 to 65 by adding two or three different variations? The customer who was already going to walk in and pick up their toothpaste, all of a sudden stood there and said, hmm, there are two other choices. And as they started looking at two others, they started seeing there were choices beyond the brand too. And these guys, by giving these options, created a path for the customer to walk away. So I really love that concept in both literally in the business world, but also from the mindset of an entrepreneur. So Bhaskar, with all these wisdom, let's say you could go back in time and you're talking to that Bhaskar who just is getting ready to get into IITs, you know, one of the coolest engineering college with you and I are very proud of, and I think it's the coolest one ever. What advice would you give that young kid with a lot of excitement, brightness in his eyes, getting ready to launch this amazing academic career? I think looking back, Arjun, I would think that uh, should be more open to criticism. I would say critique rather than criticism. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in hindsight, that is something which I think the old the new avatar of Bhaskar, if I could create that, should have been a bit more open to critique. Mm -hmm. And I also feel that connecting the dots with what you said earlier is a self-confidence and awareness. Critiquing, taking criticism from somebody does not mean you're imperfect. You're just yeah. listening to everything, taking all these, and I love how you're connecting the dots. So Bhaskar, I mentioned earlier in this conversation, somebody like you would have been successful in anything else you did, okay? which means there's a process. So what's the first thing, last thing you do on your workday when you wake up? What's the first thing when you're wrapping up your workday? What's the last thing, you know, if you're comfortable sharing, would love to know that process. The first thing is to find out the cricket score. Oh, if, yeah. India is, if India is playing anywhere else <laughs> and... So, so that's the first thing I would do uh, if India is playing. Otherwise, you know, I would uh, see if there's a message from my dad or from my son, both of whom are in two separate continents from where I am. Uh, the last thing would be uh, just having a quick look of what my schedule for the next day would be and what the calendar is and if there's anything else I ought to be prepared for. So that would be the last thing, I guess. Thank you for sharing. So if you could step into my shoes, what else would you have asked Bhaskar Majumdar? I think uh, I would have asked a question whether uh, as someone who's been through this journey, do I believe in luck? And the answer to that is yes, I do. Uh, but I also think that a true entrepreneur uh, you know, captures on luck, on serendipity, because uh, he or she is always opportunistic. And as I said before, an evangelist and always in the play, so to say. So, you know, whenever an opportunity comes, he or she is able to just capture it. So luck does play a role. There's no two ways about it. But, you know, like we know, you just can't keep waiting for luck to happen. Mm -hmm. You took me back to wisdom. My grandma used to call her Maiji, used to tell me that luck is like the cherry on top of the cake. You still need to build, work hard to make the cake yourself. Mm -hmm. And 
that's the part where, you know, over time, what I went back to those days, she would write beautiful letters. I'm so glad there was no emails because the letters are precious. Is I would just going back by saying, luck is like a value multiplier. But if you don't have a value you have created by working hard, luck alone, yeah, it works for lotteries, of course, but it doesn't always work. And I really am glad you asked that question. So before we wrap up, Bhaskar, anything else you would love to share? Uh, Arjun, firstly, you know, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. You know, you were a college senior and uh, always known you for a while. Uh, today, when we see enterprises, you know, we are all wowed by the size and scale. Uh, but there's one thing which, uh, you know, I always tell young kids is that uh, we have to remember that every enterprise today started from a college dorm, a studio apartment somewhere or a garage. And I, this is something I strongly believe in. You know, for me, this isn't the title of a book, you know, it's it, but it's core philosophy that I fundamentally believe in, that everything started as nothing. Mm -hmm. Wow. So thank you, Bhaskar. Such a fascinating, incredible conversation. You know, to me, I have to admit, I came to this conversation thinking I would learn the five steps of business success as a startup. Okay. This conversation gave me way more. This conversation showed me the journey and the transformation starts at the core of who you are. And you literally, I think, talked about the life of a startup more than just the business side. Because you integrated for me that you cannot be two people or three people. Either you got it or you don't. Which means when you dream, you dream big. When you dream, you dream with your eyes open. You must have the DNA. As you start going through be okay, walking in without that business card, but believing yourself even that particular day. And that was my biggest take from this conversation was that winning is all about transformation. It can turn from a tiny seed, but you seeing what others don't, and that example that you talked about the sewer system is, I love that. Saving one life was big enough and changing a whole government's mindset was really huge. I also love that concept is everything starts from nothing because I think there was a lot of humility in that to go in. You also, can recollect when you started your life, you were not, you didn't start with somebody giving you $10 million to go and do what you want. You started with at one place, which is zero. I came to US with $440 and we forget that sometimes. And I think the reminding that makes us fearless because if you have come this far from nothing, which can act as a huge booster in this journey forward. So Bhaskar, I wish you the very best in this journey forward. I'm really incredibly thrilled and excited about you sharing from your heart. And I will finally leave you with a little wisdom I got from the, another woman in my life, my amazing daughter. When I wrote my book, Raising a Father, I being a marketing guru in my humble opinion, I was putting a big plan when my daughter asked me, dad, are we hurting for money? I'm like, not really. 
She said, why can't you have fun and share with one more person? And me being that marketing guru, which is really silly, I'm not. I asked the silly question, like what happens when you touch one more person? She said, you touch one more dad. And I think Bhaskar, you are on that journey. Every person you share with, you make an impact. Just have a blast, man. Enjoy this journey of touching one more person. Good luck and truly a pleasure having this conversation with you. Thank you, Arjun. You've been listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, top brand growth driver and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. To learn more, visit www.zenmango.com. Share this podcast with your friends and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.